Who are the real people we consider our sages? Who were they in life? What is the legacy they left us? Join Rabbi Danny Saxton for the next hour as he explores the lives of our Torah giants, the spiritual geniuses who shaped the way we approach Judaism today. That's Focus on Our Sages right now on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to Salt to Soul. Always so special to be with you on a Wednesday afternoon. And we're just coming off such a beautiful Yom Tov, Yom Tov of Shvos, which is really the Yom Tov that defines the Jewish people. The Yom Tov that gives us the understanding of what it means to be a Jew. And what is that? What does it mean to be a Jew? The Yom Tov of Shvos is the celebration of the receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. That cataclysmic event that changed the course of world history, the most important and significant event in the history of humanity when God reveals himself to a nation, not to one people, one person in their vision, but rather to about three million people. They all heard God. They saw the fire, the lightning. They heard God's voice. And when God spoke to them, their souls blew out of their bodies. An incredibly powerful experience, um, which is the legacy of the Jewish people. And that's actually why Parshas Bamidbar, last Shabbos, we started Sefer Bamidbar, which is the fourth Sefer in the Torah, and we read Parshas Bamidbar. Parshas Bamidbar tells us the Yichus of Kla Yisrael, goes through great detail in telling us about Toldosam, Ushbechoisam, the families and the generations of the Jewish people, in order to impress upon us, all of us, every single Jew in the world, that these are our ancestors. This is where we come from. This is the the heritage and legacy of the Jewish people. Our ancestors ancestors stood at Har Sinai. Our ancestors heard God's voice. They heard God speaking to them. They saw the lightning and the thunder and the incredible events that took place at Mount Sinai 3,333 years ago. And so that is our that's who we are. That defines us as a people, as Klal Yisrael. And it's so important that we all connect to the Jewish people, that we all knowingly make an effort to be a part of that body called Knesset Israel, called the Jewish people, because we really are one body. And so when we look at events in our world today, the current affairs of the world, and we see in Israel the terrible situation, where we have thousands of rockets being fired upon civilian centers, civilian, highly populated civilian areas. And Hamas fires these rockets unprovoked. They have, they pretend that there were um, particular situations that um, ignited this, this uh, war, this attack. But these were only pretexts to allow them to, their excuses for them to fire their rockets on our civilians. The Israeli government has a moral obligation to protect its citizens and to ensure that their citizens' lives are not in danger. And therefore, of course, they must try and destroy Hamas and take out the ability of Hamas to carry out these terrible atrocities against civilians. That's the siren um, going off in in Eretz Israel. There are there obviously is a, a rockets flying over right now. It's so amazing that Chai FM does this and 
um, plays the sound of the siren because as we speak, we have men, women, and children scattering and running for shelter. Some of them have 15 seconds, some 30 seconds, some 90 seconds, Yerushalayim Tel Aviv, 90 seconds. So right now, our brothers and sisters in Israel are running for shelter because there are rockets being fired upon them. And so, of course, Israel must, they have a moral obligation to take out Hamas, to destroy Hamas, and to protect her citizens. And we shouldn't make the mistake and think, you know, those are the Jews in Israel, and, the, the, you know, they're they the ones that are under attack. But Hamas are very open and clear about their intentions. The leaders of Hamas give public talks, and they say very openly and unbrazenly that they firstly want to liberate Palestine from the river to the sea. Uh, what does that mean, from the river to the sea? It means there's no place for Jews in Israel. It means every Jew will be murdered, will be killed. Um, that is the open and clear intent of Hamas, and they're not shy or embarrassed about it. They will never recognize Israel, they say. They will never reach any reconciliation with Israel. Um, so many opportunities the Palestinian leaders have had the ability to come to some sort of agreement, to come to some sort of understanding um, that Israel is prepared to make tremendous concessions in order to reach peace, but they turn it down every single time because peace is not what they want. They want to destroy Israel. They want to wipe Israel off the map. and They want to kill all the Jews in Israel. And they very openly say that. They're not embarrassed to say that. It's in their charter and their speeches. I've seen many, many speeches of Palestinian re- leaders and of religious leaders um, saying exactly these words. Um and so we shouldn't be naive and think that it's just the Jews in Israel they're after. They also say they're Jews around the world. You must attack the Jews all over the world. That's your religious obligation. And we've seen um, recently, pro, uh, we've seen um, pro-Palestinian protesters in London driving through Jewish areas and saying, must rape every Jewish woman. We just saw in Toronto there were... There was an attack on Jews by pro-Palestinian protesters because the goal is to destroy the Jews and to wipe out the Jews. It's not a political conflict. It's a theological conflict. And the sooner we realize that, the, the better we will understand the situation and the quicker we'll come to deal with the reality on the ground. So unfortunately, that is the situation. And we as Jews must associate ourselves with the Jewish people, must feel the pain and suffering of the Jewish people, as we just heard the siren with the Jews running to shelters right now. And although we think we're safe and protected here in South Africa or anywhere in the world, they're after us too. There's no question about it. And it is really a spiritual conflict going on over here. And uh, we need to attach ourselves to the Jewish people. We need to hold our heads high. We need to realize that we have the strongest claim to the land of Israel, um, we have been there for thousands of years. Abraham Avinu um, lived our great ancestor and patriarch Abraham and matriarch Sarah were in Eretz Israel. And the Jewish people have lived in Eretz Israel for centuries and centuries. And that is our homeland and we have the greatest claim to that land um, uh, that could possibly be compared to any other nation or any other land. We've got the strongest claim to the land of Israel. And we're proud for that, and we love Israel, and we will stand by our brothers and sisters in Israel, and we'll do all that we can to destroy the enemies of Israel. And we should all feel that. We should all identify with that and associate ourselves with that. And in our tefillahs, 
uh, in our davening every day, we should daven for the destruction of the enemies of the Jewish people and for success and peace and prosperity for the Jews of Israel, all the inhabitants of the land of Israel, and for Israel. So it's important and very important that we attach ourselves to the Jewish people because if we do that, if we attach ourselves to the Jewish people, so we will, and we feel the pain of the Jewish people, we will also embrace the victory of God. We shouldn't fall for semitism in the media, the way it's, it's presented with such double standards and the fact that it, and you see the suffering of the Palestinians in Gaza, which of course is a terrible, but you don't see that of the perpetrators of it. That are flying rockets in areas and the most moral army in the world, and they warn the people they insisted to say we're going to hit you. Hamas don't do this. Hamas go for our civilians. Not only that, to Hamas shoot from civilian areas. Do you hear the evil in that? The evil is unbelievable. They don't care about their civilians. In fact, they want Israel to retaliate and to kill their civilians, so they earn sympathy. So their pictures are presented in a very biased, distorted way in the press, in the media around the world. So Jews should be proud to be Jews, should be proud of our heritage and of our inheritance of the land, and we should attach ourselves to the Jewish people. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the body of the Jewish people, the body of Klal Yisrael, and how important it is that we attach ourselves to the Jewish people and we feel the pain and suffering of the Jewish people and we do all we can to help and support and defend um, the Jewish people against our enemies. And practically speaking, we can all daven, we can all pray that Hashem should bring victory to Tzahal, success to Tzahal, and defeat our enemies and bring peace to the people of Israel and the land of Israel. So let's discuss a little bit further what that means to be part of Klai Israel. So that is obviously very topical because that is the Chag, the festival that we have just experienced, Chag HaShavuos, the festival, festival of Shavuos, which is the celebration, the rejoicing, the appreciation of receiving the Torah from Hashem at Mount Sinai. And it's important that we all acknowledge and understand what that means. That with the Torah, so we are a different, different people. We are a different creature, different being. The Gemara talks about Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef says, "Eli dahai yoma, kama yosi ikabashuka." He said, "If it weren't for that day, how many different Joes are there in the marketplace? I would just be another Joe if it weren't for the Torah. And now that I am a Jew and I part of my heritage." is the Holy Torah that God gave to the Jewish people. So I'm a different being. I'm a different creature. The Torah gives us understanding and meaning. The Torah explains to us what we're doing in this world, why our soul was sent to our bodies. The Torah explains to us what our work is in the short time we have in this world and the, the development and the growth and the inner work that we need to do. 
we need to embrace the mitzvahs, the commandments, and we need to develop ourselves through the framework of the mitzvahs. So it's incumbent upon every Jew to keep the commandments, to keep the mitzvahs, as God has commanded us in the Torah. And through that system, we develop ourselves as noble, refined human beings. And that's hard work. That's not easy. But when one sees the beauty and clarity of that, so it is the greatest joy in the world to have understanding what we're doing in life, to understand what we're doing in this world, to have clarity why we are here. There's no greater gift than that. Most of the world, unfortunately, is fumbling around in the dark, has no idea about the meaning of life and why we are here and what our experience in this world, the short time we have in this world, is supposed to be made up of. Um, we, you know, we, we're clutching at straws and we, you know, hold on to one or two things, but the comprehensive understanding and depth and meaning and framework of the Torah is breathtaking, is magnificent, is so powerful, and it gives one such a sense of understanding and of purpose and of mission and gives one the tools to develop and grow and become a refined human being. Because when we leave this earth, and that is 100% guaranteed to every single one of us, we all are going to die. And when we pass on to the other side, the soul lives forever. The body dies, the body goes back to the earth from where it came, but the soul soars and lives for eternity. And what we've done to develop the soul, the investments we've made in the soul, the growth and strength of the soul, so that's what we have for eternity. That's what we left of, left with. When the body, the soul is shed of the body, is released of the body, so then the soul um, is able to uh, now uh, associate itself with its essence. In other words, all that's left on the other side, once the body has been shed, is the essence of the soul. And that's the work we're supposed to be doing in this world, is to build our souls, is to invest in our souls, is to strengthen our souls. And very often, on the other side, people have not at all acknowledged the existence of the soul or invested in the soul, and their souls are puny and small and very, very weak. They're emaciated. They're almost not there. And those that have it developed and invested in the soul, they're healthy and strong and vibrant, and they have vitality, and they shall be so for eternity. So that's the work we have in this world. The Torah teaches us that this is the world of effort. This is the world of preparation. This is the world where we invest and we do the work. And the next world is the place of reaping the rewards and of enjoying the fruits of our labors. And those fruits will remain for eternity. So we have our 70, 80, 90 years in this world. And we're supposed to do the maximum we can to invest in and build the soul. And everything else is just the means to do that. Everything else is just the vehicle which enables us to do the real work. When one looks at uh, the world, most of the world is caught up in the diversions, in the vehicle, in the exterior, in the body. And there's very little um, understanding and and investing in the soul. And it's such a pity because we are missing the whole point. We're missing the whole 
um, function of our being and purpose of our existence that is to build the soul. And once we've built the soul, so on the other side, we then have a place in eternity that is close to Hashem. We can bask in the glow of the Shekhinah, um, says in the Siddhas Shisharim. We are able to get close to Hashem. And that is the ultimate pleasure and ecstasy and thrill that exists, is to get close to Hashem. That's only if we've done the work we're supposed to with the potential and opportunity that God gives us in our lives over here. Um, if we have spurned that opportunity and turned our backs on our purpose and mission, so then we'll be quite shocked when we get, I think we're all going to be shocked when we get to the other side, no matter who it is. But, uh, the level of shock will depend on how much we've actually given voice to our neshama and developed and built our neshama in our lives and in this world. So that's what it means to embrace. That's what Shuas is all about. Shuas is embracing the Torah is Understanding what the Torah means is realizing this great gift that Hashem gave us. And that's why it's called Matan Torah, the gift of Torah, which Hashem gave to the Jewish people, which is the most precious and priceless gift um, in the world. And that's what your Rav Yossi was saying. If it weren't for this day of the receiving the Torah, I would just be another Joe. I would be a very ordinary person. But with the Torah, I was able, I am able to develop and grow and become a spiritual being, a holy being, a refined human being, who has self-control and who develops my medicine, my character. Um, the, the pretext to, to receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai, so Hashem says to the Jewish people, Hashem says, you should be for me, it's you and Lee, Mamleches Kohanim Vgoy Kadosh. A nation of priests, a holy nation. That's what Hashem um, tells the, the Jewish people before He reveals Himself at, at Mount Sinai. He says, I, "I'm doing this in order that you'll be mamleches kohanim v'goy kadosh." So, what does it mean, nation of priests? It means a nation of ministers, a nation of teachers. We're supposed to teach the world about monotheism, about God. We're supposed to teach the world about morality. We're supposed to be a light for the nations. And guide the world into how to infuse spirituality into this physical material world. We're supposed to be an example of that. And a goy kadosh, what does it mean a goy kadosh? A holy nation. Kadusha means being able and having the capacity to have self-control. Kadusha means the Ramban says in Pasha's Kadoshim that Altu Navel Torah, don't be a despicable person. With the Rosh Torah. So first and foremost, Halacha does automatically teach us to have self-control. There's only certain foods we can eat. There's only certain things we can do on Shabbos and Yom Tif. There's only certain things we're allowed to say and not speak Loshon Hora. We, we are certainly within this system of, um, of Halacha teaches us self-control and self-discipline. There's no, you know, you see a Jewish child won't take a a tray of chocolate. The child wants a chocolate and he's having a tantrum for the chocolate. The mother says that's not kosher. The end of story. There's not even a question. So, so that's an incredible thing that's built into the behavior and the life of the Jewish people is self-control through halacha. But even within the bounds of halacha, we're still supposed to have further self-control. We're supposed to be able to restrict and limit. We shouldn't be a nalvushustra, which means a, a person who's despicable even with the permission of the Torah. So, for example, yesterday was Shavuos, 
And Shavuos, we have a beautiful minach to have milkies, to have milk foods. And so a person who is observing the custom and doing so because it's a, it's a, been a Jewish custom for, for centuries and centuries to have milkie products and Shavuos, because at Har Sinai they were told the laws of Kashrus, and it took them quite a while to, um, procure meat products because it, that, that is quite a process. And so the milk products were more easily and more quickly accessible. So they had milks and shvurs, so we have milks and shvurs as well. So a person is doing that and has delicious chalav yisrael cheesecake on shvurs. So they can have a piece of cheesecake, maybe two. But they shouldn't have six pieces of cheesecake. That's a glutton. That's somebody who does not have self-control and does not, and is overdoing the um, pleasures of this world. He's overindulging in this world. And so that's what Hashem wants us to be, a goy kadosh, a holy nation. A nation that doesn't just eat what they want and how much they want. A nation that doesn't say just say what they want and behave how they want. We live according to a higher standard, standard and a moral framework, and we um, implement that in our lives. That's the kadusha, the holiness that Hashem wants us to implement. And the Torah is the framework within which to do that. The Torah gives us the boundaries and the um, system within which to do that work. Now, a person can observe the Torah and not do any work at all. A person can observe the Torah and not change and refine their character and their personality, and that's such a shame. It's such a pity. They're missing the whole point. They're not getting the opportunity and the responsibility to develop and to grow, which the Torah places upon us, and which the Torah helps us with. The Torah really leads us and gives us, this, tells us very clearly how we're supposed to behave, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to control our character, control our anger, control our time, our desire, control our appetites for power and pleasure. It all needs to be framed within the context of serving Hashem and living a spiritual life. So that's the work we're supposed to be doing on Shavuos, and that's the um, that's a hard, it's a difficult job, it's a hard work to do. But that's what Hashem is wanting for us. The Holy Chofetz Chaim, every Shfus, would speak about the Geret Tzedek. So our show, we usually do try to talk about the great sages in Klai Yisrael, great people that have been leaders of the Jewish people, that have inspired the Jewish people through the ages. So the person I want to talk about on our show today is somebody whose Yotzad it was yesterday. And this person, his name was um, Abraham ben Abraham, the Geret Tzedek. The Chovetz Chaim always spoke about him, remembered him every Shavuos, and the Jews of Vilna always remembered him on Shavuos and did things to elevate his soul. Now listen to this unbelievable story. The reason why I'm telling you the story is because it really is a complete application of what we're saying. We're saying that Shavuos is the time when we enter into the Chazal tell us that Shavuos is Yom Chatunasoy, is the day of the wedding, is our marriage to Hashem. And we enter, we, on, we, at Mount Sinai, on Shavuos 3,333 years ago, so we entered into a covenant with God at Mount Sinai. It was a marriage, just like a marriage, when a man and woman stand under the chuppah and commit each other to one another. They say, the man says, Hare at you are Mekudeshes. He has that word again. We're just talking about um, uh, a goy kadosh. Mekudeshes means you are designated to me. You're the one who's separated. Kedusha is separation. We separate ourselves from the mundane. You are separated from everybody else. It's you and nobody else. You're the one. 
you are for me and I am for you, and there's nobody else that can interfere and that can disturb the sanctity of this union, of this connection, of this commitment, of this covenant that we are now entering into. And that's what we did with Hashem at Mount Sinai. Hashem is ours and we are Hashem's, and we have this covenant and this commitment. And this covenant commitment means living by the laws of the Torah, living by the commandments, and doing the inner work we are supposed to, the way Hashem wants us to, in order to be a holy nation. And there are some examples throughout Jewish history of very inspiring individuals who have been able to truly internalize what it means to be a part of this covenant, what it means to be loyal to and committed to Hashem, no matter how difficult the circumstances, no matter how trying the situation, no matter how impossible the challenge is that they are facing. And one such inspiring individual was the Geretzedek, Avraham ben Avraham. His name was Valentine Pataki, and he was a person who converted to Judaism, and his story is quite remarkable and inspiring. So please stay with us. We will share that story in a few moments after this ad break. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about a, a tremendous example of um, holiness, of, of connecting to the covenant with God, of that marriage that the Jewish people are part of, have entered into with God at Mount Sinai. Valentin Pataki was the son of the wealthiest man in Poland in the 18th century. His father was Count Pataki. Count Pataki owned 999 properties. And people asked him, why is it 999? He said, because if I go over a 1,000, it won't be a significant number. People won't talk about it. But 999 is a very dramatic number, and everybody talks about it. Um, he was an extremely wealthy man, very well known in in Eastern Europe at the time. If people wasted anything, they said, they would say, "Do you think I have money like Count Pataki?" It's like we say today. Do you think you know I'm wealthy like Bill Gates or Elon Musk? He was the Bill Gates and Elon Musk of the nine of the 18th century, and his son was a very smart young man, Valentin. He had a best friend, and the two of them wanted to become bishops in the Catholic Church. And they their uh, mentor was the Bishop of Vilna, and he sent them to a seminary in France in order to become bishops. And they were very sharp young men. They were very inquisitive, and they had many, many questions, and they asked many questions, and they were not satisfied with the answers that they received. And as they dug deeper and deeper, so they came to one source and one answer to the questions. And that is the truth of the Torah and the truth of the Jewish people. And they realized that that was the way of God. And God revealed himself to the Jewish people of Mount Sinai as we celebrated yesterday. And they decided they wanted to join the Jewish people. And they obviously it was a huge scandal because the son of the wealthiest man in Europe, and remember Europe was very Christian, and it were, would have been a big embarrassment to the church and a big embarrassment to the, this great uh, powerful family 
if their son converted to Judaism. Valentin knew that, and so he went into hiding, him and his friend, and they actually went to Vilna, and they were converted clandestinely by the based in of Vilna. And they, it took them many, many months, and they went through with the conversion, and they remained in hiding, living as religious Jews. And obviously there was a huge manhunt on to find them, um, and there were massive rewards offered if anybody had any information. And the Vilna Goan said to, to Valentin, who chose the name Abraham, and he then would became Abraham ben Abraham, his friend chose the name Baruch, Baruch ben Abraham. And he told them that it was too dangerous for them to be in Vilna, and they would, it would be much safer for them to, to be in the countryside, in the rural areas, where it would be less likely that they would be found. And they went to a, a small little town on the outskirts of Vilna, and um, they lived as Jews, and they, they, were, they learned Torah all day. In that little town, there was a tailor. The tailor was, uh, he made many uniforms for the government. He was a big anti-Semite. He hated the Jews. And he had noticed these two guys, and they had Polish accents. He had noticed that they didn't speak the same way as the Lithuanians spoke. And he suspected maybe, you know what, maybe he's this, uh, this Valentin that everybody's looking for, the son of the, of the, the wealthy count. But he didn't do anything about it. And um, he just had his suspicions. And his son was one day playing very noisily in the street, right next to the base midrash. He was disturbing those that were inside learning. And Valentin went out, Abraham and Abraham went out and said to him, please be quiet. We are trying to study inside. We're learning Torah and go play somewhere else. And the this son told his father that this man had shouted at him and told him to go play somewhere else. And so the tailor decided, you know what, I'm going to report him. I have my suspicions, I'm going to report him. He went to the police and he told the police, police came and the police identified him and they arrested him. His friend Baruch bin Abraham got away and actually went to Eretz Israel. And he's now arrested, his parents came to Vilna to see him and they said to him, the whole world is looking at us, all of Europe is talking about it and it's a very big humiliation to us. If you continue to be a Jew, they said, we will build you your own castle. You can observe Torah and learn Torah all day long. Just publicly denounce the Torah and say that you're a Catholic. And Abraham ben Abraham, his mother said, I love you very much, mom, but I love Hashem more. And I can't turn my back on the truth. I can't denounce Judaism. And even if it means that they'll prosecute and persecute me, I'm prepared to, to die al-Kiddush Hashem, prepared to die sanctifying God's name and not turn my back on the covenant, the covenant that I entered into when I converted to Judaism, the covenant of the Jewish people with Hashem that was forged at Mount Sinai 3,333 years ago. And so they said, they gave him an ultimatum, and they said, unless you renounce you uh, Judaism, you will be burnt at the stake. And uh, they gave us a date. The date was Shfus. It was second day Shfus in the year 1749 in Vilna. And he didn't uh, step down. He didn't back off. He said, you know, so be it. 
I will not um, renounce the truth of Judaism and the truth of the Torah. And he said that um, he was very. He, he, the Vulnagon went to visit him in jail, and he was sad in jail. And the Vulnagon said to him, "Why are you sad? You're going to be dying out Kiddush Hashem." He said, "I'm not frightened to die out Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name and sanctifying the holiness and the truth of the Torah." That doesn't bother me. He said, what I am sad about is I'm not married and I don't have children and nobody will say Kaddish for me. And that's very distressing for me. And the Vilna Gon quoted him a Pasuk and he said to him, Hashem says, Ani Rishon Ani Acharon. I'm the first and I'm the last. In other words, I'm the first, I am your ancestor, you came from me. I'm the, the last. I'm your descendants too. I'm everything. He said, Hashem will say Kaddish for you and Hashem will protect you. Don't worry. And that comforted him, comforted him very much. He, he felt very much uh, comforted from those words of the Vulgon. Vulgon, by the way, is 29 years old at the time he was born. 1720, that was 1749. And so they led him out. They led Avram ben Abraham on second day, Shur, 1749 to be burned at the stake through the streets of Vilna. And they went past the place where the Vulnagon lived, and the Vulnagon stood out on the balcony, and he saw him, and he shouted out to him, Lech Bizrizus, go out with strength, go with, with enthusiasm, because you're doing a very holy thing. And the great author, author of the Yesod Vashoresh Havoida, Rav Ziskin, he was there, and he, he, he stood in the crowd and he heard Avram ben Avram saying the brocha of dying Al-Kiddush Hashem. And he said, Amen. And they burnt him. They burnt him alive. And the Goan said, we need to get his ashes. We want to have a proper burial with his ashes. But obviously they had to do it in a secret way because if the Jews were caught taking his ashes. They would have been prosecuted. They would have been killed for sure. So they got somebody in the Jewish community who didn't look Jewish, didn't have Jewish features and didn't have a beard. And he went in and he got some ashes and they had a ceremony and buried his ashes. And when the Vulnagon died, the Vulnagon was buried next to the ashes of the Gerrit Tzedek, of Avram ben Avraham. And when the communists, the old cemetery of Vilna, was uh, uprooted by the communists to make a soccer field, they, they um, destroyed the Jewish cemetery to make a soccer field. But Rav uh, uh, Pinchas Tights, the great Rov from Elizabeth, New Jersey, he uh, arranged that certain graves would be exhumed and built in the new cemetery, uh, one of them being the, that of the Vulnagon and the ashes of the Garrett So I was there two years ago at the grave of the Gorn, and the ashes are buried also there of the Garrett Siddiq, Abraham ben Abraham. This is just an incredible and inspiring example of a person who's embraced Judaism, embraced the Torah, and remained loyal to the covenant with Hashem, um, at all costs, a, a really inspiring example for all of us to learn from, for all of us to try and, please God, emulate in terms of our connection with Hashem and connection with the Holy Torah. Please stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Focus on Our Sages with Rabbi Danny Saxton on 101.9 High FM. Talking about attaching ourselves to the Jewish people, even in times of distress, as 
happening right now in Israel. We spoke about what it means to be a part of the Jewish people, embracing the covenant with God that was made at Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, which we celebrated on Shavuos. We discussed that means being a holy nation, holy people with self-control. We discussed the inspiring example of Abraham ben Abraham the Gerit Tzedek, who entered into this covenant and remained loyal to this covenant, no matter how difficult the circumstances, and even gave his life up for this covenant. Bechol nafshechem, as we say in the Shema, he served Hashem with all of his soul. So there's just one more point, um, idea that's connected to this that we'll end off with. And that is, there's a Midrash that says that at Mount Sinai, when God gave us the Torah at Sinai, it was complete silence. Nothing else could be heard. There were no dogs barking. There were no birds chirping. It was quiet. And God's telling us that we need to be able to create silence in our world in order to attach ourselves to his covenant. The Pasuk in Shira Shirim says, pihu." That it's Shira Shirim is talking about the great love affair between the Jewish people and Hashem. And it says that Nashkeni kissed me with the kiss of the lips. There's a kiss on the hand, there's a kiss on the cheek. Kiss on the lips is a very powerful, intimate moment between two parties. And that is our covenant with God. It's a kiss on the lips. And the kiss on the lips means that nobody else is there. Nobody else can intrude and interrupt and um, invade this powerful precious moment of connection and in order to live up to our part of the covenant we need to have moments of connection and those moments of connection need to be focused connection they can't be filled with distractions and we live in an unbelievably distracting world we all have our smartphones and the whole world is in our palm in those smartphones we need to be able to disconnect in order to connect disconnect from our phones, put them away, put, switch them off, and focus entirely on something. As Jews, we pray three times a day. Those times of prayer are deep, intimate moments of connection with God, and we need to disconnect, disconnect from the rest of the world and have the ability to focus entirely on on those moments of, of preciousness, that, that audience we have with Hashem, while we're praying, I urge all the people in my shul, switch off your phones. Of course, Shabbos and Yontav, there's no phones. But uh, switch off the distractions in your mind. And during the week, switch off those phones. Don't let them intrude in those holy moments of, of connecting with Hashem. And we're supposed to be learning Torah. Learning Torah also is a powerful, moving, deep moment of intimacy between us and God. And we cannot have the distractions and the invasions of those external things um, while we are learning Torah and while we're connecting to Hashem. So in order to live up to the covenant and in order to build that relationship, it's a relationship that needs, any, any relationship in life needs work. Any relationship in life needs focus. Any relationship in life, we need to be able to brush aside all of the distractions and be able to focus on that person. A husband and wife who cannot do that and not give each other those moments of connection will not have a very functional relationship. It will be a dysfunctional relationship. In order for the relationship to be healthy and to grow and to thrive, they need to exclude everything else. It's just you. There are moments when it's just you and there's nothing else. And we can connect in a beautiful way. 
So please God, we should all attach ourselves to the Jewish people. Please God, we should all understand what that means, that we embrace the covenant with God and live according to the mitzvahs and do the work of becoming a holy nation, learn from the inspiring examples of great people like Avram ben Avraham, Valentin Pitaki, the Ger Tzedek. And please God, have those moments of intimacy with Hashem, disconnecting from the world in order to connect with God and eternity. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day.